0: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am the host as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. You know what's better than losing? Uh, Winning. Uh, Winning is great, (laughs) and winning two in a row is
1: awesome. So nice to just be here after two wins. I could get used to this. And hey, guess what? You can't lose on a bye week,
0: so we're doing great. No, can't lose on a bye week can get healthy on a bye week hopefully that's what's happening this week so uh definitely got some injury stuff that we can potentially dive into today um, we're gonna kind of jump back uh, a little bit towards the uh chargers and raiders game have some kind of final wrap-up coverage from that and then we're gonna gonna, gonna kind of uh, zoom out and kind of evaluate the chargers where they're at after four games this is when the chargers are going to self-scout a little bit um you know like i mentioned of course they'll try and get healthy but dive into some tendencies, dive into who has stood out, dive into who, uh, you know, what kind of needs to go right for this team going forward. And it should be a lot of fun, should be a good conversation. Before we get started, uh, Tyler and I are fans of the team, just like you guys are. We've been given this platform by the team and are very grateful to uh, have this platform and share our opinions. At the end of the day, what we share on the show is that it is our opinions first and foremost. And what we share on the show is not always reflective of the opinions of the Chargers organization themselves. Uh, they are, it's just me and Tyler here. We, we have this platform and we're very grateful to be on it. And, uh, you know, we're going to dive into this game first and foremost. And then, uh, like I said, zoom out a little bit here. Um, all right, Tyler, so we're uh, recording this on Tuesday night. We've had some time to kind of simmer and, and reflect on the Chargers win over the Raiders. You mentioned two wins in a row for this team. They're two and two heading into the bye week. What's kind of your big general takeaway from the Chargers win over the Raiders on Sunday afternoon now that we have have had that time to uh, sit back and reflect on it?
1: That it was a much-needed figure-it-out game for a lot of players, or maybe just even parts of the team, that they really needed heading into the bye week. Um, I'm sort of, in a way, glad they had this game in between you know, the game against the Vikings where they lost Mike Williams. And then the bye week, but then, of course, they have the Chiefs and the the Cowboys coming up. I'm glad that they had this game to try to sort through maybe a bit of what they wanted to work on with him out, who could stand out, who would work in this capacity, etc. But more than anything, I'm really glad this defense got this game. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, shout out Khalil Mack for having six sacks. That was a ton of fun to watch in the stands, especially when the Raiders fans are the ones next to you. Watching it, and they're going, eh, maybe we could have kept that guy. I don't know. Um, but we're happy <laughs> to have Khalil Mack, of course. It was a solid to great day for the defense overall. Sure, there are some asterisks. Uh, Devonte Adams wasn't in there the whole game. Aiden O'Connell was starting. I get that. But still, you can only play who is across from you, right? And we, we've seen the defense occasionally against rookie quarterbacks like Davis Mills against the Texans a few years ago not quite have the performance that we were hoping for especially when they're missing a couple of guys but they perform very well this defense is trending in the right direction they after that particular game i think are 26th in defensive epa per play which doesn't sound great but they were 32nd and in this particular week they were 10th in epa per play as a defense and again missing derwin james missing you know, three of their safeties joey bosa you name it so i'm glad this offense got a, a bitter run to start to figure out who they are post mike williams and I'm really glad to see that this defense starting to build momentum they they finished the game against the Vikings and then I think this is their I mean easily their best defensive performance overall is this momentum moving forward I hope
0: so yeah i am confident that it could be for this team you know this uh unit has closed the games out like you mentioned two weeks in a row um and I think the plan specifically from Brandon Staley this week was a really effective game plan and I think First and foremost, you have to kind of zoom in and talk about what the Chargers were able to do uh, against Josh Jacobs um, in the run in the run game. Um, you know, you and I talked on our own channel just about, like, the potential for a Josh Jacobs breakout game. You and I had both watched some Raiders film and felt like the Raiders were kind of close to figuring that part of their offense out. We know that Josh Jacobs led the league in, in rushing last year. And, you know, he. you look at 3.8 yards per carry, and, and, and that's pretty decent the overall production, but... For me, I, I think you look at the yards after contact per attempt from Josh Jacobs, which is only 1.4. Um, he didn't have a single explosive run that went over 10 yards. He did have some explosive receptions for sure but you know th- this run defense has been very much maligned over the last two years under Brandon Staley. but if you really take out the Vikings game, which I you know, I don't know how much they prepared for. Uh, Alexander Madison to be kind of the featured approach there as opposed to the passing game but you look at the Titans game you look at the Dolphins game and you look at this Raiders game and the run defense has performed very very well you know overall and just when looking at kind of limiting the production there Um, and to me that really starts with these edge rushers you know we've talked a lot about Thule on our show on this channel um, Khalil Mack the six sacks but the way that these two edge rushers in particular and Joey Boss is certainly part of it but he, you know we haven't really seen him healthy um the way that tuli and cleo are defending the run is such a treat to see because you know there are so many star pass rushers out in the league where they're pass rushers first and run defenders second and the way that these two are playing against the run is really setting the tone for them you know the second play of the game the raiders ran a gt counter which is um, you know, they pulled the, the fullback who they had motioned over to kind of a tight end formation and then their uh, their left guard and uh, Khalil kind of washes down and essentially erases both of the polling players and gave Josh Jacobs zero space. Khalil was able to finish off the play, but if he hadn't, Eric Hendricks was right there. Thule was chasing down from the backside. And it, it's just like all the dirty work that these two edge rushers are doing that really stands out to me when I watch the tape. You look at the numbers, Tuli Tui-Polotu is tied for second in the league in run stops among edge rushers. He has the third highest run stop percentage. Kalumak is not very far behind. So that, to me, it was the kind of the point of emphasis from Khalil, from Joey, from Tuli in training camp. And so far, they have really put that out on tape. They have put that out on the stat sheet. And it's setting the tone for the way the defense is. It's kind of rebounding after that Miami game, starting up front, starting up against the run from those two.
1: Yeah, compared to last year where Josh Jacobs had 26 carries for 144 yards, I'll certainly take 17 carries for 58 yards. And like you said, not a single run over 10 yards. His longest run of the day was 9 yards. We were very concerned. I think all Chargers fans were concerned. When you're missing your three safeties and you have a running back who's looked like he's going to break out at any moment, you know, just breaks that one run, that 60-yard run. Oh, goodness, here we go again. I mean, the Chargers last year, we saw, what, four or five runs in a row? of forty yards, fifty mm-hmm. yards, those backbreakers didn't have that. And Josh Jacobs never came close to that. As a receiver maybe fine, but certainly not as a runner. So fantastic there. I'm gonna flip it back to you now because you did watch the film. And I noticed today that you pointed this out on, on social media as well. What did you make of the Raiders deciding to send more help towards Thule's <laughs> side than Khalil Mack's side, which clearly did not work. Um so I appreciate them for that. But what did you, what did you make of that?
0: I was shocked to see that (laughs) approach. And listen, like, Tuli's played great. I understand sending help there, but this is a revenge game. Like, the Raiders should know more than anybody else what Khalil Mack can do. Um, So for them to come out in this game and and actively not send help to Khalil Mack was shocking. One of the most puzzling game plan decisions I've seen in a very long time, studying tape. And, you know, you look at Tuli's box score, right? He has... He has one pressure, right, but he has the three run stops. And, like, it, it speaks a lot about where he's at, but also, like, I, I can't wrap my head around, like, you know, the Chargers prepared for Max Crosby, right? Like, they they chipped, they double teamed, they slipped protection. That's what you have to do against these guys. So um, the fact that Khalil Mack has the six sacks, he has the nine pressures or ten pressures, depending on what kind of uh, source you're coming from, against the raiders and they were not sending help his way was was shocking i couldn't believe my eyes when i was watching how much help they were sending towards tooley and nothing towards khalil it was very very surprising well just let me know where i have to send the fruit basket the flowers <laughs> wherever i appreciate
1: that you keep game planning we'll see you in a few weeks uh steven after re the tape what is your big takeaway from this game
0: yeah my big takeaway is the way that kellen moore kind of came out and established a rhythm was really fun to watch in the first half you know the the second half i think rightfully so you can can criticize a little bit um some of that is is the justin herbert injury um the justin herbert interception which i did not love that decision that he made to throw that football but the way that kellen moore came out in the first half you get the creative touches towards darius davis you get some screens you get some deep passes. I just really loved the balance that Kllen Moore came out with in this in this first half. and like you mentioned, you know kind of to start the show, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't without Mike Williams without Corey Lindsley. Um, one of the little changes that I really liked is that they have been so downhill heavy and I think they were really intentional about attacking the second levels and third levels of the Raiders defense in the run game. They were actively trying to get the linebackers and the safeties and the corners to be the ones who had to come up and tackle uh joshua kelly isaiah spiller and it was very intentional uh, in that in that way they did some quick option passes but you know in the first game against miami they would motion the tight end to kind of kind of an an h-back setting and they would run y insert zone and it was a downhill approach it was a great way to get these tight ends moving they've really started to branch off of that look. And you could tell that the Raiders were prepared for them to motion the tight end and run downhill. Well, this game, they did some counter concepts. They did they did, they did the toss concepts. So, you know, I just love the, the overall approach to the game plan. And it shows that Kellen Moore is adapting the offense. He's, you know, um, coming out with plans to catch other defenses off guard and there are certainly some things that you can criticize of the Kellen Moore offense so far. Um, but I just have really enjoyed watching his game plans and the way that he approaches the first half every single week because you can tell that there's always a plan of attack. There's always a way for him to catch opposing defenses off guard. And that was a real treat to watch on tape uh, against the, the Raiders on Sunday. We've been begging for creativity from this offense for the longest
1: time not you know being so predictable, whether that's motion or whether that's Using four tight ends on fourth down, and I mean you're taking Keenan on Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Darius Davis, Quentin Johnson off the field to run four tight ends on fourth down against the Vikings. You get a touchdown out of it. You know you've got a pitch play to Darius Davis, you've got another handoff to Darius Davis. Everything that they're doing, whether it works or doesn't work, I'm so glad to see this offense and Kellen Moore just trying out different things. And look, they're still fourth in EPA per play. Like this is still a good offense, which is crazy because they're still trying to figure things out. They're still working out through things. But I love that they're doing that because that just continues to allow me to say, okay, this offense is pretty good, but it can reach another tier. It can reach another tier, whether it's just execution or just finding a good set of plays that really work for them. I love that you mentioned they did something against Miami. And hey. That worked. It worked really darn well. Yeah. But you know what you can't do is the exact same thing over and over and over again, usually, because teams will prepare for that. Even the Raiders who are you know kind of shorthanded and not the strongest defense, they can prepare for that. So like you said, what they do, they change it up. I love that we're seeing that from the Chargers, and they're only going to get better after the bye.
0: Yeah, they, they set up a few other things that I really loved. Um, Justin wasn't able to get there, but the first time that they were out there in kind of that bunch formation where against the Vikings they ran a ton of wide receiver screens and that was the way that they mitigated pressure. They did it the, they did it again and the first time they ran it, they they were able to get Keenan free vertically. Um Justin didn't have time to get there. Uh, I forget if it was John Jenkins, the the Raiders defensive tackle or which one, um, you know, beat Zion unfortunately like right away and got pressure. But it, it it's just like the the concept that Kellen Moore is Coming into these plans and saying, hey, like, we've shown this previously. We know you're going to be prepared for it, but let's have this counter approach to it. You know, the Darius Davis toss play, the uh, vertical catch to Keenan that he that they did come down with was another kind of variation of the screens that they have been kind of work- workshopping every single game. So it's just a, a really sound approach to start these games and catch these defenses off guard. Like you mentioned, they're performing at a, at a top five clip. Um, in, in most metrics, and we just need to get some of this translated towards the second half, um, uh, of that Raiders game, and I think they they could have put them away. But, um, you know there was there was a couple decisions I didn't love from Kellen and from Justin to in the second half. Like there was that, uh, the Chargers' second drive, they got pinned deep on the two yard line, and they threw three vertical routes, and I'm like, you need some space to either punt this ball or get a drive going, and I just I didn't love that particularly, but. Overall, like you, you zoom out and you look at this Kellen Moore offense, and there's like a very clear identity. There's plans every single week. He's adapting every single week. They're playing to their players' strengths for the most part. And Justin Herbert has the most attempts of 20 air yards or more in the league right now. He's seventh highest in A dot. Like they're doing everything that we wanted them to do. There's just some things to tweak and clean up for sure. But so far, so good for the Kellen Moore offense.
1: Yeah, even Justin Herbert's turnover-worthy play rate—it is, I think, double than. No, that's still very small. Double for Justin Herbert is still one of the best in the league in terms of turnover-worthy play rate. Uh, but he's throwing it down there. Look, I didn't like the decision either. Of course, that interception in the stands—even just from where I was standing—it's like well, I don't quite understand that decision. But again, like they are trying different things, and what do you get out of that? You get, you know, a an A dot that is beyond anything that he's ever had in his career. I don't think it's ever been over eight. And it's currently over nine for him there. Um, The big-time throw rate is higher as well. The big-time play rate is higher. So these things, like, I don't think Justin Herbert's going to throw interceptions like that every game. It's not like him.
0: But I love that he's just testing the possibilities of what this offense can do. Yeah, like, sheer probability numbers would indicate that some of these deep balls are going to be connecting at a higher level. Um, You know, even without even when Michael Williams was out there, you just felt like they were due for like a really like big, productive, explosive, you know, vertical game. And they've been explosive without, you know, connecting on a ton of these, you know, bomb throws from Justin Herbert. So um, I think they're third in explosive passes. I think they're fourth overall in explosive plays this year. So um, the Kelamore offense has been a treat to watch on film. You know, there's clear plans. There's, like I said, there's adjustments. It's just been like, very sound, and I think that's what the Chargers needed on offense. And then, oh, by the way, they're letting Justin Herbert just throw bombs down the field, and I'm excited to see him start connecting with those more often. Mm-hmm. Was was his
1: 51-yarder to Palmer the longest uh, throw of, his, of the year so far? Oh, good question.
0: Um, I want to say yes, because I think the... Th- the deep throw to Keenan in week one, I think was the longest pass of the season up until that Joshua Palmer pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So well, we'll, we'll check on that for sure.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> all right, uh, Tyler, let's get to our game ball segment. And then we'll kind of, like I said, zoom out a little bit and see where the Chargers are at. Uh, who's getting your game ball of the week this week.
1: Yeah, I'm going in a different direction with this one. Um, it, it's nearly impossible, right. To, to play in the NFL and start in the NFL, it's infinitely more difficult to play and to be out there when dealing with loss and in particular, the loss of your father. And I I don't care if Eric Kendricks had two run stops or he had 20 run stops. I don't care. He went out there and went to work with a burden that I couldn't possibly imagine and, and showed more poise than any of us ever could ever hope to in an impossible situation. So, performance, whatever, a million tackles or zero, doesn't matter. Like Eric Kendricks gets my game ball and my respect and my admiration.
0: Yeah. Uh, we talked about that on Saturday when the news came out and just, you know, the human element of, of football is right here with Eric Hendricks um, on the field. Like the stat sheet, isn't like amazing. He had, had a good amount of tackles, but you know, the game plan here was really, really sound. And Eric Kendricks was kind of the, the, the key piece there. Um, They had him do the deep Tampa 2 drop on several occasions, um, and he really confused Aiden O'Connell. I think that was kind of the the, the focus point there. There were a couple instances where, you know, he's just dropping in in basic kind of cover two and was able to match with Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer. So Eric Hendricks was all the way locked in, in in coverage, and I think the Chargers, like, really were able to take advantage of Eric Hendricks being out there. Like, I think this was... A, I don't want to say vintage Eric Kendrick's game because I still think he's a really good player. But um, the, what he did against coverage, I think, was was really a key in allowing the pass rush to get home. Um, Aidan O'Connell's average time to throw was 2.75 seconds uh, on Sunday, which is a really high number. You know, Generally speaking, you want your quarterback around like 2.5. So to have that extra quarter of a second is huge for your pass rush if they can get home. And obviously Khalil Mack was able to do that all day long. Um, so I'm glad you shouted out Eric Hendricks because I thought, even if the statue didn't play, show it necessarily, I thought he played a, a phenomenal game on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I can only imagine and wonder and guess
1: who your game ball <laughs> might go to then.
0: I think it does have to be Khalil. Like, you know, six sacks is a historic day. Um, you rightfully shouted out Eric Hendricks, but um, one of seven players, I think, or no, excuse me, one of five players to get six sacks in one game. Um, Derek Thomas did for the Chiefs did it twice, which is crazy to me. Wow. <laughs> um, so Khalil's just it was just in in rare air, and and we felt like I said on on our show, I, I felt like he was due for a big game. I didn't think six sacks was going to be the big game, um, but I just thought that he impacted the game outside of the sacks, like the run defense. You know, he got a batted pass in the in the fourth quarter. Um, I just thought this was, like, truly an all-around elite performance from Khalil Mack and, and one that I think was was great to see. I will say, like, on a lower level, the, the Chargers are dealing with some injuries, obviously. And I thought Dean Marlowe looked really good uh, on tape. I thought he did some fantastic things back there. He had a couple chances on the football. I'm sure he wishes that he was he would have been able to come down with those. But he got his hands on the football twice. He had a couple run stops. He played the run well. I think they really trusted him in the deep part of the field too, and, and he was really able to to read and react at a high level. So, you know, on a on a smaller level, uh, you know, it's hard to to beat out some some all time performances. But Dean Marlowe stepped up in a big big way for this team without Derwin James, Alohi Gilman, JT Woods, and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna need him for the next few weeks as well after the bye because uh, JT Woods is on the uh, non football illness list. Alohi's banged up, Derwin's banged up, so they're going to need Dean Marlowe, and I think that he definitely showed some good things on tape. Yeah, what a pleasant surprise.
1: I mean, you, you never knew, and this, this really felt like the here comes Devontae Adams sort of game, here comes Jacoby Myers breaks out, or whatever, and I think the longest pass completed was 25 yards, which is sure technically still an explosive pass, but you know what it's not. It's not 40. It's not 50. Um, it's not one of those game-breaker big passes they've allowed, and Dean Marlow was a huge part of that. I know the PFF has him. I think it had zero passes broken up. I could have sworn there was more than that. I could have sworn he was mm. in on more than that. So him protecting the post uh, was phenomenal. And I was honestly surprised, pleasantly surprised, to see him out there and playing so well. Because, again, you you have a lot on your plate after the bye. And if he can play like that and just protect the post, kind of in a way you haven't really seen since, like, it felt very Trey boston you know, to me, the way he was protecting Ooh. the post. Um, that. Not that that's very long ago, but that's kind of how it felt. You know, like he's always the security guy back there. Um, so it had to have that from a guy who was just brought to the practice squad from um, a month ago or whatever is really impressive.
0: Yeah, I thought he played well. I thought um, Will Clapp played pretty well, too. I know people were, were worried about that. Um, I thought Will Clapp deserved a shout out, too. So um, so good depth players. I think, you know, the, the team obviously needs these guys to, to play well without – some of their star players. And I thought some of them had some really good moments on, on Sunday. Um, all right. So we're going to zoom out here a little bit. Um, like we mentioned, the Chargers were able to get to two and two here and, and really right the ship. And I think most of their goals are, are still right there in front of them. You look at this AFC as a whole, and there's no undefeated team right now. You know, the Chiefs and the Bills, the Ravens and the Dolphins are each three and one, and then like half the conference is two and two right now. Um, so Tyler, where, where do you kind of like envision the chargers in the AFC right now? Both of us kind of had some really strong expectations for this team heading into the season, um, two and two with this schedule that they have coming up. What, where do you kind of see the chargers fitting in from an AFC perspective? So before the season, I
1: predicted they would not win the division, but they would be one of the, I think the fifth or sixth seed, uh, in the AFC. And I definitely think that is still in play. Unfortunately, right now the chiefs are still one of the class teams in the AFC and again I, until they collapse for whatever reason I'm going to continue to assume that they're going to win the west. And they are 3 and 1 and they are leading the west right now. Again, no surprise. I think the Chargers in terms of the games that they won and the games versus the games that they played, I th- would have loved to see them be 3 and 1 at this point. Lose to one of the Dolphins or the Titans, but handle business against the Vikings and the Raiders. 2 and 2 isn't terrible. Um, What I think really benefits them the most isn't necessarily where they're at as much as other teams. I think that, for example, the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers five minutes into a game helps them tremendously when it comes to that game. If you had asked me right now, looking at the Chargers as they were, as we've watched them, if they had Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to assume that he played well, would they beat the Jets? I'd say no. But with Zach Wilson out there, you feel a lot better. Now that team's still going to fight, don't get me wrong but it just helps that much. The Bengals are definitely not the team that they were hoping to be this season at all. Uh, and they are potentially just out of the postseason picture as is. So I think the Chargers are in a really good spot. One, because I think they're building some momentum, even with some injuries, um, although they will get some guys back after the bye. But also the AFC is just not quite been exactly as strong as we would have thought, but we'll see. It, it is very early, of course. So many things can change. But I like where the Chargers are at right now. And teams like the Steelers and the Jaguars Mm -hmm. this week that are ahead of them in the sixth and the eighth seed, they are playing some difficult teams this week. Yeah, this week. The Jaguars are playing the Bills this week. The Ravens are playing the Steelers this week. And I think those two teams in front of the Chargers will both lose. And again, I think that'll benefit the team. Although, again, the Chargers don't win, so they don't get a win here. But they might get some
0: help in the long run. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing that's benefited the Chargers that's outside of their control is how the AFC North has looked so far. Um, you know, I-, I think I was bullish on the-, the Steelers as as a casual fan. I loved what they did in the draft, and, you know, Mike Tomlin is, is just such a-, a great coach, but, you know, they have been one of the worst offenses in the league through four weeks. Um, so have the Bengals, and some of that is health-related to Joe Burrow, right? But these are two teams— who had like legitimate division title hopes? Who had, you know, the Bengals were considered a, a clear Super Bowl threat heading into the season, and now they're kind of scraping and, and clawing to try and get back and relevant. We'll see where kind of the health goes of both of those two quarterbacks. Um, but you look at the Bengals right now, and they they kind of got like their butts kicked against the Titans, and, and you know we saw the Chargers uh, against the Titans a few weeks ago. And to lose that game as a Bengals fan, you know, 27 to three, like that's, that's gotta be pretty disheartening for the way that that went down, uh, vintage Derrick Henry performance, you know, which against the Bengals defense, you didn't really see coming. So those two teams being kind of stuck in the mud as, as, as they are is, is very beneficial for the chargers. You mentioned the jets, Aaron Rodgers reportedly says he's going to play again. I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know where that's going to end up, but, um, Weirdly enough, like the AFC South is, is kind of good right now. I mean, the, the Colts are two and two, the Texans are two and two, the Jags are two and two. So I think the AFC is still pretty muddy as we thought it would be. It's just kind of like different teams you feel better about right now. But I think the Chargers have this opportunity ahead of them to really gain some separation. Um, you know, I, I'm worried about the Cowboys, right? I think the Cowboys defense is fantastic. The Cowboys play the 49ers this week. Uh, it's a primetime game and they're gonna have a mm-hmm. semi-short week, you know, playing with the the Chargers next Monday after that. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a schedule favor for the Chargers after a bye week. So you have this opportunity against the Cowboys and then against the Chiefs to really start creating some some separation from those other teams that that we're talking about that are kind of struggling right now. So if you can get to three and three. If you get to if you can get to four and two, then I think the Chargers can really like create some true true momentum and and you know still reach their potential this year. I mean, if they can even get
1: one of the wins against the Cowboys or Chiefs, like that is incredibly impressive. I know no one's going to love three and three, but you go one and one in those games and you're feeling pretty good against the Cowboys. Who are an excellent team. They're much better when they're healthy. Believe it or not. Um, I, I know the Cardinals beat them, but they looked significantly better. Then, of course, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, what Another team that I think helps a lot, too, what is one of the teams that we've picked every single year, basically, for the Chargers to lose in this particular place against this particular team? Uh, that's yes. Denver. And I think that, look, I, I get it. No matter what with this Broncos team, there's always an issue when the Chargers go to Denver. But this Denver team is really bad. Like this, This Denver team almost actively looks like it's tanking. Um, except for occasionally on the offense when they're like, all right, but this defense is is not nearly what I thought it was going to be. And so I think things like that help. I think the Patriots being one and three, we'll see where they are at the end of things, of course. Again, another team, and it's at Foxborough, that gives the Chargers fits. But games like that, those potential swing games, I think starting to lean more in the Chargers' favor, as long as the Chargers can stay healthy and those teams are kind of still not finding their footing just yet.
0: Yeah, and I think playing those teams late in the season is going to be helping. They play the Broncos in Week 14 and then again in Week 17. The Broncos could be active shoppers at the deadline here coming up in the next few weeks. Their season could essentially be over. The Patriots, same kind of thing there in Week 13. Um, They play the Raiders again in Week 15. It's in Vegas on a Thursday night, but that's another team that could be sellers at the deadline. So... The the back half of the schedule for the Chargers, I think a lot of people were worried about, but I think after four weeks, you probably feel really good about it. You just have to get past this this two game window. I think is is the toughest two game window on the schedule remaining coming out of the bye week. Um, but that's what the that's where the Chargers are at. Like I said, if you can get to three and three, you're in a great spot because this schedule eases up pretty nicely for the Chargers after that uh, that week eight game against the Chiefs
1: yeah and we'll talk about the game next week of course but Kellen Moore's got now two weeks and and an extra Sunday to prepare
0: for his former team so it should be a good one yeah it should be a good one all right uh we're gonna dish out some awards here for the Chargers uh we do this every single year on our channel and hopefully you guys enjoy the the segments here um you know quarterly awards mid-season awards it's always fun to kind of revisit things and see where they're at, um, for this respective team. Um, Tyler, let's start with your favorite storyline of the season so far. Ooh, favorite storyline
1: of the season. I think it's going to be how Keenan Allen has found the fountain of youth. Mm. I think this was a player that was potentially a trade candidate or a cut candidate, um, certainly this off season and potentially even next off season. And he's gone, no, thank you. I'm just going to have the best start to my career. And I'm going to throw for a touchdown. I'm going to have 424 receiving yards, 35 catches, the highest yards per route run of my entire career. And I'm going to show you that I plan on being here for a very long time. Uh, Keenan Allen is my favorite player on the team. I got my season tickets the same year that he was drafted. And, you know, a lot has changed for this team. They've changed cities. They've changed stadiums a couple of times. Keenan Allen has been a constant, and I've been dying for him to get his deep playoff run, you know, Super Bowl if he can, obviously. Um, and him turning back the clock and being one of the best receivers in the league, both in terms of raw stats, efficiency, oh, and no drops, by the way. It's been an awesome storyline. I've loved watching him play so far, and he's only going to continue to rack up numbers and really inch towards that Larry Fitzgerald kind of career where he just continues to be productive. And I think Keenan is is en route to if he can continue to play this well for much longer with Justin Herbert, and I don't see why I, I should doubt him, trending towards getting to those Hall of Fame kind of
0: stats. Yeah, I and mean, you want you add in some potential postseason successes and potentially a Super Bowl, that would definitely cement him there. Um, some people were asking me this week about like what did the Raiders do to see if Keenan like was being limited. I I, I think you know, the chargers were not able to get to him on a couple of things because of pressure. Uh, they didn't run a ton of plays in the second half. So I don't think the Raiders necessarily like did anything to limit Keenan Allen this week. Um, since you brought him up, I did want to mention that out, but I think that's a good one. Um, storyline for me has to be Thule, man. Like, I, like too and the way that he has played has just been a, a true treat to watch. And like, we felt good about his run defense. We felt good about his ability to, you know, just like create some hustle snaps, but, he's actively in the defensive rookie of the year conversation through four games. And I think rightfully so. I mean, he's taking double teams away from Khalil Mack, which is so funny to see on tape still. Um, But you know, it's just elevating the floor of this defense. And I think things are really starting to round into form for that specific unit as, as a defensive line, as an edge rusher group. So what Thule is doing right now for me has to be my favorite storyline. You
1: and I have been discussing different awards we could hand out today. Best play on defense, maybe. Best player at their position. what we've been the most wrong about. Best storyline. Best play. Best player. Defensive player. I feel like Thule could win all of them. He's been <laughs> awesome. And that's why he is one of the best storylines. If I yeah. did, if you went first and said Keenan, I would have said Thule. What he's done is phenomenal. Again, not, again, I disagree with the game plan from the Raiders, but have at it taking pressure off of Khalil Mack and freeing up Khalil Mack. That's wonderful and obviously we've seen him free up Joey Bosa as a rusher as well. What he's done in through the first four games as a two-way player against the run and as a pass rusher has been outstanding. The Chargers got themselves a steal and you know you, you rarely hear about draft steals but that tends to be more where we think they're going to be drafted versus where they're actually drafted. And in this case, you know, I think second round is kind of where Tulu was supposed to go and the Chargers just found themselves one of the best edge rushers in the draft in the second round and this was a pretty good edge group overall like some guys at the top were very good a lot of depth of this group as well the Chargers needed to find and they really could have found any one of like 15 different edge rushers on day one or day two and they found the one that might be the defensive rookie of the year front runner like that's that's pretty darn good heck of a pick
0: yeah I I think it was Chris Rim for, for ESPN did a, a feature on Kill a Max Day and he asked Khalil like what his favorite sack of the six was and he said the first one because uh, it also involved Thule because it was like something that they've been workshopping something that's been like a work in progress for them it just kind of clicked and, and Thule was able to um, you know take both of the the Raiders blockers with him and then freed up Khalil for for a really nasty loop and finish and um this trio and really you know Chris in here as well you can really tell that they all just feed off of each other you know Joey Bosa gets that sack against the Vikings and gives a, a huge running hug to Thule, right this week Thule gets a run stop and he, and he does his, he does his T right and you see Cleo Mack right behind him doing the T also I, and I just I love that you know seeing the camaraderie of this group has really stood out to me they love playing with each other that the energy that they all bring just feeds off of each other and Thule's taking attention away from them. They're taking away attention from Thule. And it just it just works. Like the three of them, it just works so well. And once Joey gets healthy, like I think really this edge rusher group is is gonna be pretty scary once we get to that point. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. So we we've now had the climax six sack game. We've
1: had Thule be excellent throughout the year. Joey Bosa has had some great moments, but limited. And they're all going to be back. After the bye, it seems like they're all going to be back and as healthy as they could be after the bye. That's going to be nasty. We'll see if Kansas City uh enjoys their or regrets maybe perhaps their decisions at tackle. And we'll see
0: what they got. Um that yeah. I could see them having a huge game that one. For sure. For sure. All right, uh, let's do uh, best play on offense, Tyler. I think for me, Um, My choice is pretty clear. I think that you have to go with the double pass. I think that's been something that we've been waiting for. You know, Keenan has been talking about how much he wants to throw a touchdown pass for the last few years. Um, It obviously coming in the game that Mike Williams becomes injured, I think just only adds to that. Um, But kind of hearkening back here, it was something that the team was setting up and setting up and setting up. And then right as they did it, you knew that they were going to hit on it. Frankly, Keenan could have thrown a touchdown to Joshua Palmer in that instance. They were both wide open and and a ton of grass to run. So um, super cool moment. I think, you know, looking back on it, obviously means more because of Mike, Um, you know, getting that touchdown in that game that he gets injured. Um, But it's just been something that has been building for years and for this offense specifically, like they've been really kind of harping in on that specific look. So double pass for me, best play on offense so far. I love that. I love that. Josh Palmer and Mike
1: Williams are so wide open that Keenan Allen had to read the defense. <laughs> or, no defense, yeah. he,
0: he had to like make a
1: decision of which wide open person he was going to throw it to. Like you talked about, the, the offense set that up in the same way they set up um, the touchdown pass to Keenan in the Titans game um, off of throwing it off to Mike, usually on a screen. Oops, there goes Keenan Allen yep. that way. Set up a screen this way. Oh, throwing it to Mike Williams this way. Love that. That's a fantastic one. That was going to be one of my choices for sure. Um, for me, it's, it's a bit recency biased, I guess, but the, the fadeaway three-pointer, whatever you want to call it, not necessarily a game-winner, but the game-ender from Justin Herbert against the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, and this and the story was perfect, right? Like, is he clutch? Is he not? I don't know. Oh, national media. Um, <laughs> it was the throw of the day yeah, with the game on the line, third and 10. Backed up at your own 11. Raiders fans are getting loud. There's no Mike Williams to help you. There's no Mike Williams to like, go catch that phenomenal pass, right? No Corey Lindsay to protect you. No Austin Eckler as your security outlet. You've got a, a fractured finger or whatever it was. You're the AFC West rival across from you. You've got to get it done. There was pressure in his face. Moved up, flicked it, threw it like it was nothing. And watching that from the stands, from my side, we were in that end zone. And you're just going, no way. Did he just hit this? boom throws it to Josh Palmer sideline goes wild crowd goes wild and I really thought that the Raiders were gaining momentum to go win that game Herbert went nah don't worry about it throws it 51 yards game over and that was my favorite play on offense so far this season
0: yeah cool as the other side of the pillow man that was so just much fun to watch on tape it was great to watch in on tv too uh you know during the broadcast um Trent Green who has been harping on you know the fact that Justin has this splint on his finger he can't grip the football they're not gonna be able to throw it downfield they're not gonna be able to go on our center and then for Justin to just come out and and Trent Green is active like oh my gosh they're gonna throw the football like he was shocked that they were gonna throw the football (laughs) and uh Justin just dropped a dime you know 50 yards in the air to to Joshua Palmer so just like casual pocket management that was that was a great one and I think uh, very deserved of best play on offense. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's do uh, best play on defense. What's your choice here?
1: So I'm going to go recency bias again, <laughs> and I'm going to go with Asante Samuel Jr.'s pick against the Raiders in the game that we just saw. I'm sure we said all the things, you know, um, AFC West, rivals, all that sort of thing. But I've been talking about this defense, and in particular how we as fans in the stands need something to believe in. And we need to believe that this defense is going to get it done in the end. You know, the more belief we have that they're going to come up with a big play, the more we're going to cheer, the more we're going to, you know, support the team as much as we can and show up to these games. And again, believe. There's a feeling in the stands, even if nobody says it, that, you know, Justin Herbert will get it done, or you know maybe the defense isn't going to hold in this particular spot. We've needed some positive momentum that this defense is going to hold. And again, I thought the Raiders were going to go and win that game. And Asante Samuel Jr. steps in front of the pass and gets an interception. And, you know, maybe we won't talk about uh, the run back or the the lack of run back. I'll say that much. But in that moment, and it's very different when you're sitting in the stand, there's an exhale and a sort of (laughs) a different kind of like exclamation that you make when there's relief. And you realize like you were so nervous and so tense because you thought, oh, my gosh, the Chargers might lose this game because here come the Raiders and they're moving the exhale and the excitement following that interception and turning to my mom, to my left and giving her a huge hug and jumping up and down. That was the play on defense for me of the year. One, because it did help the chargers beat the Raiders. And two, because we believed like we, we, we started to believe, you know, the defense can get it done because Asante Samuel jr. Picked it off. And so now just, Again, but the next time we see the Chargers' life, it'll be the next game against the Cowboys, and maybe we'll cheer just that much harder, that much louder, because you know what? Even if the the other team, the Cowboys, gets right to the three yard line, we still have a chance. And look, I mean, like the previous week, the Vikings, they got to the one yard line, and the Chargers kept them out. And this time, the Raiders were almost there to tie this game up, and the Chargers got the interception. So to me, that that belief, building that belief,
0: is so huge for this team and for fans. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, things you can believe in. The Chargers right now in the red zone are performing at a really high level on both sides of the football. Um, in the last three games, the Chargers are only allowing a, a red zone touchdown on 46% of their respective drives. That's eighth best in the league right now. And uh, you know, credit to Brandon Staley's unit, man. They've really stepped up and answered calls in the red zone and come up with crucial, crucial you know plays to win these games and you want to talk about Asante's play I, Like I, I think Kenneth Murray's interception is right there with it too um, something that you know Daniel Popper wrote about was that Nick Neiman had prepared and prepared they saw this look on film and they were waiting for it and waiting for it all game long and then the Vikings finally go to it and Nick Neiman makes a play on the football bats it back to JT Woods who, who bats it back to Kenneth Murray and you know it, it just was the again building things I think is something that we've Kind of talked about today on this show um, everything was building towards that specific moment because the Chargers were so prepared for that specific look that the vikings ran so frequently and they finally went to it in, in, in literally with the game on the line and nick neiman read it out perfectly he made a great play on the football um, in place of eric kendricks who is dealing with all this stuff with his dad and, and not able to play in minnesota um, so it's these role players got to step up in these key moments nick neiman did that JT Woods did that, Kenneth Murray did that, and they were able to to win that game as well. So, um, again, the red zone defense has been really, really solid for this team, and these plays are are specifically why they're doing what they're doing in the red zone right now.
1: Yeah, you and I are on the same page. That would have been my other pick if I didn't pick the other one that I just had because, I mean, that that was really the start of the the Chargers finally finishing on defense, and now they've done it two weeks in a row. Lo and behold, they are 2-0 and during that two-week span.
0: All right, uh, let's do uh, best or biggest surprise thus far, Tyler. What's your what's your answer there? Uh, I think
1: it has to go to Kenneth Murray, and in particular, Week Two and Week Three, when he was the Green Dot guy, and he was again in Week Four. But Eric Kendricks came back. I think that I at least um, and many fans were unsure of how things would go with Eric Kendricks out, with Kenneth Murray getting the Green Dot, and Derek Henry and Tajay Spears next. And what did Kenneth Murray do? He had maybe the best game of his career. Brandon Staley said it's the best game he's seen from Kenneth Murray in the two and a half years that he's been here. And yeah, I would certainly agree. I am pleasantly surprised by how he's played this season because look, there's a lot we can say about training camp and how good he looked, but that is training camp. Things can change. Not everything holds over into the regular season. But Kenneth Murray, in particular, in Week Two and Week Three, when he had to be the guy, looked really, really strong playing downhill. You know, I think in particular, you know, statistically more productive in Week Two against Derrick Henry, and then you know, solid in Week Three as well. But also came down with that Week Three interception and just set the tone for the Chargers' defense. So the Chargers, you know, it's not close against the Titans if he's not playing well. I know they lost. Um, it's certainly, I don't think, a win against the Vikings when things are close. And they really needed him, and so that has been a big surprise for me. He's currently on pace for the most tackles, run stops,
0: and pressures of his career. There we go. Love to see that one. Um, biggest surprise. I, I think Kenneth Murray's a good choice. I like. There are some smaller ones that I think we could talk about, but I want to give a shout out here to Jamari Sawyer. Not because I'm necessarily like surprised that he is playing well, but the way that he has just transitioned to playing guard has been seamless like he is just really playing at a very very high level there's some kind of id issues especially against stunts that that need to get corrected between him and him and trey pipkins um that was max crosby's last sack uh, of the day um was it was jamari just kind of held on for too long on that stunt Um, gave max crosby essentially a free runway happened in week one against the dolphins but if you just kind of isolate him in like one on one situations, both as a run blocker and as a pass blocker, the dude is just stonewall out there. Like he is actively shutting down these other defensive tackles. Jeffrey Simmons obviously got him a couple of times. He gets everyone. He's potentially defensive player of the year right now in the NFL. Um, so the way that Jamari has just come in and beast and been such a calming presence for this team. Again, I I knew that he was good, right? We all know that Jamari Sawyer handled his business at left tackle, but the way that he's playing at guard should give Chargers fans a ton of confidence, I think, in what this offensive line can do. Uh, Hopefully when healthy, if Corey Lindsey is is able to to come back from his uh, medical situation. Um, But Jamari, like he's just been nails, man. Like he's just calm and collected out there. He has answers for what opposing defensive tackles are doing for him. And if you dare and try and bull rush him, you will lose. Like he is so strong up there at the point of attack. And it's just been so much fun to watch him just step in and, and right away, just be nails for this team. One of my favorite players.
1: Jamari is awesome. As he said himself, the only starter on the offensive line who can go to the bank and, and pull out his entire bank account um, <laughs> Poor a guy. Um, but Hey man, like, like he said, even in the interview when I interviewed him after he got drafted, like he didn't care where he got drafted, where he went He's here, he's a charger now. He's going to give the team everything that he has. And I, I loved watching him on film in college. I loved talking to him. I've loved watching him in practice, even watching him at left tackle. And you know, we thought he'd be good, right? Like he was projected to be a guard. And so we thought he'd be a good guard. But there's that big switch from, you just played an entire season at left tackle. Now I'll go figure out right guard, go flip sides and go to the interior and figure it out. And to to see and to hear that he has is awesome and when they showed his face during the national anthem i knew the chargers were going to win he just was like jamari is the nicest guy in the world he's got to be like him joshua kelly some of the nicest guys on the team <laughs> i'm not getting it it's very different um sebastian joseph day as well like i i would never cross that guy jamari is awesome yeah don't don't bull rush that guy that is a former five-star recruit to played to georgia and shut down aiden hutchinson at tackle Um, he
0: is not afraid of anybody and he'll take care of business yeah All right. well our last one here I want to frame this as more of like an outstanding player conversation Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you frame it as MVP I think that's very clearly Justin Herbert (laughs) and this might still very well be Justin Herbert Um, but most outstanding player I think uh, allows a more kind of wider scope and you know Justin has been awesome we talked about him a ton on our last episode on this channel being after the best game of his career Um, most outstanding player to me Shocker! I'm going back to the offensive line. I'm going back to Rashawn Slater. Um, I think he had his worst game of his career against the Raiders, um, and he was still outstanding. Like it, it, he was still playing at a really, really high level. Um, you know, the things that he's able to do physically are just insane to me. Every single week, there was a rep where um, Max Crosby is trying to turn the corner, and he spins on him, and Rashawn like loses a step. But then, right as Max Crosby is about to hit Justin Herbert, Rashawn just steps right in front of him, anchors down. You're not touching my guy. Just the recovery skills on a week-to-week basis are really just insane for me to watch. Um, the transition for the run scheme is a- an underrated storyline for him because you know it was a lot of outside zone at Northwestern. You know the, the Chargers in the first two seasons of his career, a lot of outside zone. It's a lot of giving, getting him on the movement, getting him on the edge, getting him up to the second level, and he was awesome at that. But this year, they're doing a lot more gap scheme. They're doing a lot more counter. They're doing a lot more power concepts. And some draft analysts would have said, like, hey, like if you're going to get Rashawn in a power scheme, he's got to play guard. And right now, he's just blocking the run at an, at a, an incredible rate. Um, ESPN has him in the top 10 in, in run block win rate right now. Um, his run block grade on PFF is really high, and you see it on tape. You see him just moving folks in the game, setting the edge, sealing the backside edge. He's just doing everything that the Chargers could ask of him. And, oh, by the way, like he can just be left on an island uh, against anyone. There were a couple times where the Chargers against the Raiders were max protecting, and you got a double team, a double team, a double team, and then Rashawn one-on-one because you know that that guy is just nails and can shut down that side. So, again, I, I won't begrudge anybody for, for trusting Justin Herbert and mentioning him here. But Rashawn Slater, to me, just is, is playing at a truly, like, all-pro level right now. And he absolutely should be recognized with that kind of honor at the end of the season. He's been lights out for this team so far.
1: I've never seen—he rarely loses, but I've never seen <laughs> a Chargers offensive lineman, at least not for some time, that could even lose 99% of his rep and then still finish with a win— because yeah. of just that last second switch to power and anchor that he can flip. And it's every week you see Brandon Thorne, Duke manyweather Jeff Schwartz, like anybody, all these breakdowns. It's always Rashawn Slater. Oh, maybe he might lose the first half of the rep. And then it's just he shuts it down the second half. Um I you know more about offensive line play. You can appreciate it more. But just even just from my perspective and any any general fan perspective, you have to admire what he can do. Anytime you can watch offensive line play and just see highlights that aren't even necessarily pancakes or knockdowns, just elite offensive line play. It's awesome to see. Like, I love watching him play, and that would have been the person that I had picked uh, <laughs> because I had, we had talked about Thule, We had talked about Keenan Allen. Um, so in that case, I will go with Justin Herbert. Um, we've talked about Keenan. We talked about Thule, We talked about Rashawn Slater. But this team is not nearly anywhere close to two and two. They're somehow like 0 and 5 if they don't have Justin Herbert. Like they somehow lost <laughs> an extra game if they don't have Justin Herbert. The guy has been nails. Uh, in every single game, he's put the team on his back and been everything that you wanted from him, and in some cases, more. You know, we said that the game against the Vikings, we both agree, is the best game we've ever seen him play. Maybe some agree, disagree, fine. But considering the circumstances, I thought that was his best game, and you agree with me as well. You know, the fadeaway 51 yarder against the Raiders to put things away. The way he's played, the awesome thing is he's played so well and is, I think, with more wins inching towards getting into that MVP conversation at some point. But there's so much more to go with this offense and so much more room for him to go and this offense to go. And he's going to get there. Like, the offense is going to get there with health. They're going to continue to be excellent. And he's trying different things. This is one of the smartest guys in the NFL Obviously, coming out of college, very intelligent human being. I respect anybody who's a science major as one myself. Um, The difference is I can't go on the field and do what he does. He is just awesome. And the fact that he's doing this in an offense that he's had to learn after learning another offense, after learning another one, after having to learn three different ones in college is incredible. And I, I just love that he is trying things out and letting things go while still playing at an excellent level. I mean, if the Vikings, we get his excellent play against the Blitz, against the Raiders, we get movement and the way that he can juke out this player, stiff yeah. arm this player, maneuver in the pocket. I mean, just outstanding play from him overall. And you've got some big games coming up. You've got that game against the Cowboys. You've got the game against the Chiefs. Those are just the kinds of games where Justin Herbert rises to the occasion. Whether the team wins or not, I don't know, but I know that Justin Herbert is going to be excellent. And so for me, you know, call it MVP, call it best player,
0: you name it, Justin Herbert's my guy. Yeah, you get uh, primetime Justin Herbert with Kellen Moore's offense in three of the next four games for the Chargers. It's going to be a ton of fun to see what he's able to do uh, in those situations. So a um, bit longer of a show today than we have done in the past few weeks. Um, hopefully you guys kind of enjoyed our our emphasis on the game and kind of zooming out and seeing where, you know, kind of taking stock of where the Chargers are at in the conference um, as players, as coaches. Um, that was kind of our goal today, so hopefully you, you enjoyed the show. Um, appreciate the Chargers for uh, letting us have this platform, as always. Appreciate Greg Kim for producing. Um, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on the at the same time next week to preview the Dallas Cowboys Monday Night Football game. So, going to be a ton of fun. Cannot wait for that matchup. And uh, really excited for the next quarter of the Chargers football. So, appreciate all you guys for tuning in. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.